Hey, hey, welcome back to Chad Theory. I'm your host, Chad James. Hope you're having a good week. Got a big one for you today. Nico and I are looking at Victoria Police. They've conducted an internal investigation into the pepper spraying and arrests of certain journalists down in Victoria at those anti-lockdown protests back in 2021. And the conclusion was that no members should be disciplined and that the complaints have been determined unfounded. There will be no further action taken. That's straight from a Victoria Police spokesman. And I'll tell you what, some of you might be confused as to, well, how is this possible? How did they do this? This is so obviously something wrong here. Well, Nico and I are going to take you through in detail exactly how Victoria Police keeps getting away with this. We're going to take you through the actual legislation that facilitates this kind of unchecked behavior, which I think the ordinary person would agree is completely, completely outrageous. So before we get into that, though, wherever you're listening to this podcast, help us out. Give us a five-star rating on the app that you're listening to us on. Let others know that you love Chad Theory. And remember, guys, this podcast doesn't have ads. We rely entirely upon the support from listeners, either on PayPal. There's a link below in the description so you can make a one-off or a recurring donation. But you can also become a paid subscriber for exclusive content. We usually get a couple of episodes just for members a couple of times a week. So sign up. It's really, really easy. It's seamless on Spotify. And if you're on a different podcast app, all you have to do is copy the RSS link and then input that to your podcast app. But I'll tell you what, let's jump straight into it. Nico is waiting for me to tackle this issue with Victoria Police. Let's do it. Hey, Nico, I like your hat today, mate. Do you like it? I do. It's my uh, Chad Theory hat, although <laughs> unfortunately nobody nobody can see it. Oh, well, uh, I can see it. That's all that counts. Hey, listen, yep. this stuff in Victoria with Victoria Police, I don't know if you've heard, we've been talking about it briefly. The internal investigation into whether or not disciplinary action should be taken against the Victorian police involved in the, I guess, uh, capsicum spraying and also the arrests of a couple of photographic journalism. So, sorry, it's, it's photojournalism. So they're journalists, they have media credentials, but they, they take pictures, right? They're not sort of there on their, their notepads. You t- you t- you're talking about all the cops beating the shit out of all the lockdown protesters, right? Um, no, I'm talking about the journalists. But oh, okay. it, 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 was, it was in that context. So I am talking about the protests in Richmond in September of 2021. There's also an incident early, earlier in 2021 where the Herald Sun reporter Olivia Jenkins and – or that was a reporter and a senior photographer, Jake Novikowski – Novikovsky, I think that's how you say it, they were handcuffed. Mm. So they were actually arrested and escorted from a park and that was the Faulkner Park. That was the anti-vaccination protest in Victoria. So that was earlier in 21. But what I'm talking about is the age photojournalist in September yeah. of 2021. And there were two others there as well. I mean, there there were different experiences. This guy's name was uh, Louis Asui. I don't know if it's Louis Asui. I don't know his ethnic background or how to pronounce that. I'll just call him Louis for now. So he was sprayed in the face after he took a photo. Remember 
those graphic images of the police sort of staunching towards the protesters, there was a, a woman on the ground and a couple of Victorian police just walked up to her and sprayed her in the face. She was literally lying on the back on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was the one where Dan Andrews said, no, nah, it wasn't a woman, it was a bloke in a wig. Yeah, which is completely false. And so Louis was taking a photo of that and he had a helmet on, he had a pass on. It was clear that he was media. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, screw it. And they just they, they sprayed him in the face. Now, interestingly, even though no disciplinary action will be taking against the officers involved, there was a payout. So he filed a lawsuit last mm. year and he got a payout in July of 2022. Can you, Nico, just explain because it seems, you know, incongruous that you can have the police make a settlement. So they paid him thousands of dollars. It's all under um, non-disclosure. So he can't discuss the details of the settlement. But then how can the... There's no disciplinary action against the police officers involved. How does that work? It's 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 hilarious, right? Because the police investigate the cell themselves and find that they did nothing wrong, right? So it was the Professional Standards Command and they were investigating the police actions under the Victoria Police Act. So the direct quote is, no members had been disciplined and that the complaints have been determined unfounded. There will be no further action taken. A spokesperson said, just help us out. I don't mean this in a cheeky way. I mean, clearly this is ridiculous. But I mean, can you actually explain to us how you can have a settlement in a civil case, yet there be no consequences from the employer of those individuals? Because what happens when a government department investigates itself for wrongdoing? They're going to find that they did nothing wrong. Like, obviously, everybody's going to back their own manager up up the chain. What you need is somebody independent to go and go and investigate and do a determination, and that hasn't happened. Well, what's interesting like I know, is I I don't know if you were about to say this, but IBAC was apparently supervising this internal investigation, and they haven't. <laughs> well, they haven't released their report yet. IBAC right. hasn't released their report. Sorry, little detail that might interest some of you. But I mean, legally, I guess what I'm really looking for is the idea that in a civil settlement, which is where the, the money came from in that lawsuit, didn't, didn't go to court. The, the police, Victoria yeah, police yeah. settled out of court. Usually in most instances, there's, there's no admission of guilt. I mean, that's the whole point of a settlement is that you avoid going through the process to find you legally liable. And instead you say, look, you're asking for this much. We'll give you half of that or 75% of that. So presumably yeah, there, was, there was no admission of guilt. And in that sense, that's, I guess, the answer I was fishing for, where you have a, a civil settlement where they make a payment, but there's no admission of guilt. And then you have an actual investigation which finds no wrongdoing. Yeah, look, um, the problem with these kind of civil settlements is obviously there were, there were civil claims, right? So there would be like a d direct tort for assault. There would be... What what other civil claims could there be? Yeah, like property property damage. So out of out of that, it's a it's a private matter really. And you mean the civil the, case between the, the two parties? The civ the the civil case the civil case. And I guess the problem is that we don't we don't find out about the details of those settlements because what would be really great is if the the journo or I assume it was probably the age though, right? So I'm sure there was political pressure. It's uh 
I think I think we've heard of uh, Dan Dan Andrews uh, pressuring people to settle before, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But there there would have been a lot of pressure to settle. But what I would what I would have liked to see was the matter go to court, which is the last thing the police want or the uh, the Victorian government want because all of this would be ventilated in, in, a, in a court. Absolutely. Do you want to hear what the police said in a statement after they made the payout back in July of 2022? This is with regards to that uh, the age photographer. I think yep. it was actually him. I don't think it was the, was the newspaper. Anyway, this is what they said. Victoria Police confirms it reached a confidential settlement with a person involved in an incident at a protest on 18 September 2021 the confidentiality provisions in the settlement terms are binding on all parties involved. <laughs> That's yeah. what they said. It yeah. was like a, a threat. Don't don't forget, little guy, that yeah. you can't talk about this. Let's yeah. just remind everyone. For a journal for a journalist to do that, they must have paid a lot of money. That's all I can say. It would be it would be interesting to see. Um, I mean, surely the money, the money's got to show up in some kind of like line item in a police report where all this money for settlements comes from. Well, so it's, it's probably, an, it's probably a, a gross number. It, they probably don't split it out by individual case. It'll probably be just a total number. Mm, but it'd be interesting to see year, year on year. I mean, if you go back to say 2018, 2019, what the number would have been then versus what it, what it is now, because I guarantee you they're paying... They've been paying a lot of people out in these settlements. Having I mean, said that, to play devil's advocate, you yeah. also have to remember that there were the longest lockdowns in the world. So there'll be all those other cases that would normally take place that didn't take place because there's not many mm. people out in public. You see, it, it works. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you, you you're need not to split it all out. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, now, listen. So what this reminds me of uh, is, you know, those Commonwealth, those those com- common shore cases, you know, with Rochelle Miller, uh, Brit- oh, yeah, Br- Brittany yeah, Higgins, yeah. where yeah, there's these yeah. multi-million dollar payouts. Well, Brittany Higgins was, uh, Rochelle Miller's was 650K. She didn't have a confidentiality provision. She was open to speak about it, due in part to the fact that everything was out in the open already. Mm. But in those instances, people are outraged for similar reasons to here. It's when there's a civil settlement using taxpayers' money, but then an investigation doesn't find any wrongdoing on behalf of the senators involved or the MPs, or in this case, the Victoria Police. Anyway, this, we know nothing new. It's ridiculous. Uh, What are you going to do? Well, let's have a look at the actual legislation because there's a question here, particularly when it comes to the press, about what rights are there? What legal rights are there to protect freedom of speech? Because presumably the act of a journalist uh, t- taking record via photography or by any means that they choose, any medium that they choose, presumably that's protected as a freedom of speech, a freedom to relay information and to make certain events uh, public, right? Mm. So in Victoria, as you know, you, my learned friend, Nico, they have a Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act 2006. Isn't that weird that a state government has... Uh, a charter on human rights? We're a federation. So what people don't realise is that states had to give up their power to create a federal government. So states have a lot of, I guess, power that they haven't given up. They're, they're the primarily involved in uh, enforcing the Crimes Acts in, in the states. So yeah, I don't know, it, ma- it, makes, it makes sense. So does New South Wales have a human rights charter or a human rights act? 
I'm not sure. No, nope. I didn't study it. Nope. Yeah, it doesn't. That's that's why you didn't study it, Nico, because they don't have one. So I think that's a first point. Is that Victoria has a Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities, O six, which is, I mean, it's it's nothing new when you consider the sort of way that the Victorian government, particularly under Dan Andrews, acts in such a way as it's almost a, has its own sovereignty. You know that what was that <laughs> treaty that they tried to do with, oh, with China? The, the, the Silk Road bullshit. Oh, the memorandum memorandum of understanding with with China. Yeah. I I think it's just because Dan really appreciates uh, the way totalitarian governments behave. So maybe that's what the <laughs> MOU is about. Which I mean, you have a look at what police have been doing down there, and it, it's not far off. Why don't we take a look at this Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act, two thousand and six, Victoria, Nico? I've gone through it. In uh, yeah. poured over it with a fine tooth comb, as as you would expect, and there are three sections that I want to share with all of you, and Nico included. I, I haven't shared this with you, Nico, so this is fresh off the bat. We're going to see Nico's fresh reaction to this. So okay. I'll leave a link so all of you listening can have access to this, and you can read it as well, and and sort of uh, improve your understanding of how ridiculous and useless this act is. Whoops. So. Section 12, freedom of movement. Every person lawfully within Victoria has the right to move freely within Victoria and to enter and leave it and has the freedom to choose where to live. Freedom of movement, that means that presumably you can protest wherever you like. If you're a journalist, I mean, we're talking specifically about photojournalism here, but this would extend, it seems, to any individual in Victoria. They have the right to freedom of movement. So, so stay at home orders. Piss off. We can go and protest. Right? Yeah. Lock, lockdown orders. Uh, what is it? Travel restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There you go. That makes sense. I guess we can. Uh, we can all go home. We've figured it out, haven't we? Oh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe we should keep reading. <laughs> Well, if we go down shortly after that section, there's another section. See, there's many different parts to this, Nico. Section 15, freedom of expression. Every person has the right to hold an opinion without interference. That sounds pretty straightforward. Uh, Number two, every person has the right to freedom of expression, which includes the freedom to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas of all kinds, whether within or outside Victoria, and whether A, orally, B, in writing, C, in print, D, by way of art, E, in any other medium chosen by that person. So presumably that would extend to journalists. I mean, that's pretty obvious. That section has a particular relevance to journalists, their freedom to seek, receive, and impart information. That's what mm-hmm, journalists mm-hmm. do, or, or good journalists at least. But yeah. but you've all been waiting for the but. You can tell that I'm uh, – you can, you can hear the cheekiness in my voice. Yeah. Section 15, Freedom of Expression, Part 3. This is the kicker, folks, that this will kick you in the nuts, Nico. Special duties and responsibilities are attached to the right of freedom of expression and the right may be subject to lawful restrictions reasonably necessary, A, to respect the rights and reputation of other persons, or here you go, this is the little bit it's one sentence that completely makes this whole charter a crock of shit. It says, for the protection of national security, public order, public health, or public morality. Hey, there we go. 
Way to way wow. to water down an entire act with that little section. Fifteen Public morality, hey? Fifteen. Wow. Freedom of expression. I'll give it to you again. Special duties and responsibilities are attached to the right of freedom of expression, and the right may be subject to lawful restrictions reasonably necessary for the protection of national security, public order, public health, or public morality. So that nice little bit that I read to you guys before, remember the one where you have freedom of movement and the other one about freedom of expression, which you can, you know, the freedom to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas of all kinds. Well, that all goes out the window if the authorities determine that they need to restrict those freedoms for the protection of national security, public order, public health, or public morality. So for those of you who whinged and complained to me, I mean, even today, I was just telling you about someone who got in touch with me on Twitter saying, hey, I used to be a fan. I used to follow you. You know, you, you have quality commentary, whatever, quality content. However, I left you when you were condemning public um, disobedience. I think it was the, uh, we were reviewing the battleground Oh, that's right. And I was I was saying it's odd that these people knew clearly that they were about to break the law. They were warned about it. The law is very clear. Mm. Yet they were surprised when they were arrested and you know received uh, summons notices and and whatnot. That was simply the point I made. But you know people don't like to listen to the detail. But but hey, if you feel like your rights are being restricted unreasonably by virtue of that section. Let me give you another section. Section 31, Nico. Nico, you're, you're going to like this one. I can tell. I can tell. Ready? Section 31, override by parliament. Parliament may expressly declare in an act that that act or a provision of that act or another act or a provision of another act has effect despite being incompatible with one or more of the human rights or despite anything else set out in this charter. <laughs> Do you want to know what that means, folks? It means that the Victorian Parliament can pass a law or pass an act that gives them powers that are incompatible with this human rights charter. And to the extent of that inconsistency, the other act yeah. will have that precedent. So they can basically pass any any law to invalidate anything in that charter. Well, Look. Yeah. So so, so just, just to recap for you guys, <laughs> number one, the authorities, the police, whoever it is, they can determine that your freedoms and rights under this charter should be restricted, you know, for public order, public morale, public health. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, national security. Or they can just introduce legislation in parliament if they have the numbers to fully override. So, so it's one of those situations, my opinion, is this act, which is supposedly there to protect the rights and freedoms of Victorians, there's more than one way that the authorities and the government more generally can can get around it, folks. I mean, how, how does that sit with you, Nico? Uh, I don't know if you had this discussion when you were at law school or, or, you can, or you can remember, but there was often a discussion about whether Australia needs a Bill of Rights. Yep, that's right. Yep. And, and There's that famous John Howard speech in Perth or something where he addressed that? it. Yeah, I remember we had to analyse the speech in law school or they, they used that speech. Right. Anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so the funny thing is, is that having a Bill of Rights doesn't actually, actually give you any rights. In fact, having a Bill of Rights means that 
you've kind of got a target that you can use to subvert people's rights with. Having a Bill of Rights isn't like a be-all be and end-all solution. It's not like we're going to write this document, it's going to have these have these rights in them and uh, they'll never be restricted or trampled on again. You know, thanks a lot. Funny, funny thing is, is that I think New Zealand, New Zealand has a Bill of Rights as well, and I think they even have um, things about freedom of, uh, like, choice of medical. It's got it, it's got a provision in there for um, uh, f- uh, freedom from. Hold on, let me. Sorry, you looked that up. What I was talking about just before this speech by John Howard that was the 2009 Menzies lecture, proposed Charter of Rights. It was at Winthrop Hall, University of Western Australia. It was at 7.30 p.m. on a Wednesday, the 26th of August, 2009. For those of you who are interested in looking that up, it's the 2009 Menzies Lecture by John Howard where he he discusses the, the proposed Charter of Rights. Let me also, while you're looking at that New Zealand business, Nico, let, I just want to introduce, I mean, people usually use the United States as an example. And I, I think there's an interesting dynamic between a constitution or more broadly the legislature, so the parliament, it would be Congress in that instance, and the judiciary, the separation of powers. And what I find interesting is how you can have different Supreme Courts in different jurisdictions and even the Supreme Court of the United States interpret the constitution and its amendments differently. For example, you probably heard about uh, last year, Nico and I, we spoke about this, mate, where we were talking about how the, the, the New York State Supreme Court threw out the restrictions on concealed carry and handguns. Do you remember that, Nico? And how they basically said, look, by virtue of the Second Amendment, right to bear arms, you, you cannot have a state law that overrides that constitutional right. And then you have a different Supreme Court, or even, like I said, the Supreme Court of the United States, in reinterpret the Constitution when it comes to abortion rights and says, oh, the, the Constitution doesn't talk about abortion rights. So my point is there are so many different ways that courts can interpret the Constitution or a Constitution or a Bill of Rights. So to sort of reaffirm what Nico's saying, sure, you can have a Charter of Rights, you can have a Bill of Rights, but... Uh, the the judiciary, our court system, in, in our instance, it would be the high court, if they interpret or choose to interpret an amendment or a, a specific section, I mean, they can interpret that however they like. And it would then be up to the parliament to put through an amendment to get rid of the ambiguity or whatever it is. But the, the point is, there are so many steps here involved in the interpretation of laws. It's not just about having a Bill of Rights. It's also a matter of interpretation, if uh, if that makes sense. Oh, I don't know. That's, I, I mean, that's the point of the judiciary. The, the point of the judiciary is to is to interpret all of this stuff. But I think the the argument that I that I, that I've heard is that um, you're better off not having the rules written down because once you have them written down, you can subvert them or you know make these kind of exceptions or have the rules written down and then have so many exceptions that they subvert the whole original idea of having having the rules. So you're talking about like a common law approach um, would be preferred because it's not yeah, written down, it's by yeah, precedent yeah. and whatnot? That, that's right, that's right, that's right. 
But that's that's one of the that's one of the arguments of it. I'm not I'm not sure I'm sold either either way. But with what's happened, at least in New Zealand. So let's let's go to the New Zealand Bill of, Bill of Rights. So the New Zealand Bill of Rights, funnily enough, it specifically has lines in it which says the right not to be subjected to medical or scientific experimentation, and the right to refuse to undergo medical treatment. What? Yeah. But so, I thought. The vaccines were part of a trial, effectively. Isn't that what we signed when we, before you get jabbed? Isn't there a form that you acknowledge that it's not under only that, emergency power provisions? I mean, there's that, and they've had challenge. They've had challenges, and they've said no, no. The 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 vax mandate laws are matter um, are valid. They had they had uh, right. For freedom of freedom of movement as well. The other thing is, the other thing is, hang on, medic- so, so, stop for a second. Can yeah. you just clarify? So, yeah. what you're saying is, in spite of those laws, in spite of those rights, they didn't yeah. hold up when they were tested in a real world world situation. Yeah, that's right. So, a court, uh, whatever, what's the highest court of New Zealand? The High Court of New Zealand, the Supreme Court, I think. I think it's the Supreme, the Supreme Court made the decision to those challenges against the mandates that it's the civil rights. What are they called? What's that? Where, where were you reading from? A um, bit so more detail, is, please. Sorry, sorry. This is the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act, nineteen ninety. Yeah, right. So that that and didn't hold up against the challenges to the vaccine mandates. Correct. But doesn't it Not say a- what was the second one you read? There's a right for to refuse medical treatment. Yeah. Yeah, remember wow. what happened with that bait with that baby? Yeah, the blood transfusion. Yeah. So then, I know. how does that work? I don't know. That probably requires its own investigation. That's a whole. That's a whole. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's not right. good. That but, is not good. Sorry, I didn't know uh, New Zealand. Apologies to any New Zealanders watching. Shout out to the and, Livestock. and live <laughs> and live. <laughs> Boy, that's ridiculous. We shouldn't be laughing about that. That is no, 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 no. We shouldn't be. But, but shouldn't that, be. doesn't that just prove the point? Doesn't that just prove the point, Nico, that when there is a situation so unprecedented, uh, in quotes, doesn't mm. that just mean that everything that you would normally be afforded as a citizen is suspended in the name of public health? Yeah, and it's, look, it's they're not good precedents and we're maybe not silently walking into an authoritarian state, but we're moving into authoritarian states. I, don't, I mean, I, you're saying that we're transitioning. I think that we're well and truly in the thick of it by the sounds of things. I think the transition has come and gone, mate. I think we're there. Yeah, look, we, we are. There's another question I think that comes up here. I mean, what is a journalist? Because I remember seeing an argument from the police or a police spokesperson or a legal scholar, I can't remember who it was, is that, well, you know, you're talking about putting our boys and girls in blue into these situations that become quite panicked, quite frantic. You're to, you know, you gave me the example that I, I didn't know the actual term. It, it's called kettling. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to explain yeah. what that is? Um, so in one of the protests in Victoria... Um, they were the police kind of come in at all sides and slowly squeeze the the, the protesters into a, into a circle and start arresting people from the outside of the circle and keep sort of pushing in 
right? So you can't escape, you can't run away. And I guess there were there were like young kids that were in there that were that were protesting that you know had heat exhaustion and things like that. And and so th- uh, what they do is they drag people out one by one from that, that kettle to, yeah, to yeah. arrest them. Arrest, yeah. 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 And so I guess if you consider that situation and how frantic that might become, how can police be expected? This is the argument I'm relaying. How can police be expected to discern who is a journalist and who isn't, especially when you have protesters claiming that they're journalists in the spur of the moment? What is a journalist? I mean, they they came up with the, the Victorian police came up with an accreditation system, but they they got rid of it. They they pulled out of it where the police were going to give accreditations to media personnel. Then you have a situation where Victoria Police is deciding who is a journalist. So what is a journalist, Nico? It's not one of these like pr- protected terms that has a professional association where I guess you need to be a member of to actually practice. Yeah. And especially these days where anybody with internet access and a keyboard and maybe a a phone can be a journalist, right? Technically, we're journalists. Well, what if what if you're a high school student and you see these protests taking place? You're in lockdown, okay? Yeah, maybe it's school holidays or something. You're an yeah. aspiring photographer. You're an aspiring journalist. And you say to yourself, you know what? I'm, I'm maybe 17, maybe you're 18. You've got a camera. I'm going to go out and my goal isn't to take a side with or against the protesters, my goal is to capture and journal what's happening. That's my number one goal. So they don't have a record of working as a journalist. They just decided on that day to journal what's going on. What's wrong with that? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think one of the big issues with these protests that were happening uh, in a lot of the in, in a lot of the uh, capital cities, especially on the east coast, was that mainstream media wasn't reporting on them. And you can shit on Arvi as much as you want, but he was he was out there recording this stuff and putting and putting it online. Well, he he got ar- arrested once or t- twice, I think, f- for his yeah, own yeah. safety. This is an ex-Israeli soldier we're talking about, arrested for his own safety. Apparently, he he got an apology letter. The Victoria Police acknowledged that it was an unlawful arrest, and they they apologized to him. I don't know if he got a payout or I don't know those details, but. It's tricky, man. It's 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 tricky. Uh, let me give you a final example of this because I don't actually have an answer here. Um, it's a rare occasion where I, I don't I don't feel like I have an answer. Nico, you and I probably one of the closer podcasts that we did to journalism was way before everyone else cottoned on. We did a deep dive. It was like a two three hour podcast last year. I think like midway through the year or something on Andrew Tate. And for those uh, of you, I, th- I thought you were going to say, yeah. Tape for, for those of yeah, you who don't yeah. know about that, Nico, more so than myself, Nico went and did so much investigation. He peeled back all the different layers of Andrew Tate. He watched uh, restricted videos, got access to content that isn't publicly available. Like he did a full deep dive into it. And the irony of it is I don't think we've ever claimed to be journalists. I think sometimes we do do journalism, but I wouldn't call myself a journalist. I'm a podcaster. I'm a social and political commentator for all intents and purposes. This will probably be used against me in court one day. But Okay, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a comedian. Right? <laughs> yeah, that, that helps. <laughs> but the Sydney Morning Herald on their Please Explain podcast 
I think yesterday, they did a podcast on who is Andrew Tate. It went for, these are journalists, okay? It went for 15 or 20 minutes. It lacked almost any facts. It was purely sort of just a discussion, opinion-based discussion. They didn't have any level of investigative detail, not even close to what we did. Yet, they're journalists. We're not. By Victoria's definition, yeah, they're journalists, but we're not. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and and I think for me, the big thing, if you want me to identify what a journalist, I think there's a difference between a commentator and a journalist. Now, I do a lot of commentary where I'll read different news articles and I'll get my information from, you know, Sydney Morning Herald, The Australian, whoever, whoever it might be, right, ABC, and then I will comment on what's being reported. I, I do that sometimes, right? And I'm obviously quite open and honest about that. But other times, wherever possible, I go to the primary source. And that's what I think journalism is. For example, watching an interview from a politician or reading a document or going to uh, the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act 2006, which I have not seen in any publication by these journalists breaking down the legal side of your your rights and freedoms in Victoria or lack thereof. That's journalism when you go to the primary source and, and uh, that's why I think if you're going to a protest, by virtue of you trying to journal the protest as not, not even a bystander, you're involved, that makes you a journalist. Chad, just quickly to give you credit where credit's due, your podcast yesterday about the the shitty take of uh, the Shooters and Fishers Ballsack guy. Yeah. At least you went to the Oaths Act and looked at what constituted an offence under the Oaths Act. But, but that, that's what journalism none of these guys, is. No. But none but, of these guys did. That was the first thing I did, Nico. It was the first. It's just my instinct because it's how hard is it? If you want to talk about a stat deck... If you want to talk about the legal side of something, you have to look at the law. Anyway. Oh, so sorry, before before we go, so I just wanted to tie all of this stuff happening with Victoria Police and then beating up on their populace with the news report that came out a few weeks ago, which was saying that I think it was 1,900 Victorian police officers have quit in the last two years. And they reckon that that is an increase of their attrition rate. So normally, I mean, you get police officers re retiring or going on medical leave and things like that, but their normal attrition rate before COVID was 3.6 and they reckon it's uh, 4.7 now. So so you're basically talking about how many police officers are leaving versus how many are coming in. Yeah. So there's more officers leaving than coming in. That's what you mean by attrition rate. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... They were asked asked about why they were leaving, and a lot of them were, were left because of personal reasons and not agreeing with the laws that they had to enforce during lockdowns. So how about that? Well, the reality is that I mean, this is quite sad what you're talking about. The reality is that Daniel Andrews has that whole Victorian bureaucracy, that whole apparatus at his fingertips. He's got his hand in every pie. That whole apparatus, in my opinion is set up and structured and operates as we know it today to support his agenda. That's a dictatorship, bro. In, well, if, so, if, uh, that, that's an opinion that I don't necessarily disagree with. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's a that I mean the the other the other thing is is that apparently now they're going back to people that they'd rejected in applications to see if they can get them to join. Yeah, Liv told me about that this morning. She Liv <laughs> sent me this thing where yeah. they're they're apparently contacting previous applicants that were rejected yeah. or something like that to see if they're still yeah. interested. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty poor. Form. They just have to swear swear their allegiance to Chairman Dan. <laughs> that's. I mean, I, I laugh about it because it's so ridiculous, but it's there's a, there's, a, there's there's quite a a sad side to all of this, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, Victoria is a gorgeous state. Melbourne's a beautiful place. Victorians are, are, are lovely people. It's very sad. I mean, it's just to state to state the obvious. Anyway, yeah, we don't we don't have it much better here in New South Wales, mate. We're just lucky we got rid of Mick Fuller. Anyway, we could go on for hours and hours. Nico, thank you for joining. I appreciate your insights and your take today. I'll chat to you soon. Cheers, buddy. All right, say bye. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is part of an ongoing discussion. This is something that we will be covering in detail as time goes on. We're not going to let it go. It's one thing, I think, to go out there in protest on the streets like so many of you, presumably some of you listening did, I know that for a fact, but it's also important to discuss this on an ongoing basis. We cannot let this go. We need to continuously have these discussions and hold the government to account in the best way that we can. I've always said the pen is mightier than the sword, but if you disagree with me, like I'm sure many of you do, you can get in contact with me on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know what you think. My handle is at Chat Theory Show. Make sure you give me a follow as well so you can stay up to date with everything that I'm doing. That's at Chat Theory Show on Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening to us. Let people know you love Chat Theory and consider making a donation via PayPal. There's a link below. And also definitely become a paying subscriber so you get access to additional content. That's it for today. I'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, folks. See ya.